Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with your host, Jim and Chuck. And Chuck, before we even get into our Pick a Pilot episode, say that three times fast, I have breaking news to discuss. Breaking news? I don't even know about You've this. You probably have seen it, but you know it's breaking news in the sense of um, I never thought this was going to happen, but um, our good friend MoviePass is coming back. Oh. Yeah. So... <laughs> I was like, remember, wait, what? <laughs> you, you remember that Ponzi scheme movie pass where it was like you can go to a free movie every any theater you want every day of the week, but it can only be on a Wednesday at 4 a.m. And it has didn't, to be Shark Tale Didn't you too. have that? I did. I did. And I used it three times. Uh, I think I saw the same movie. Uh, but I want to read their, their lengthy comeback uh, announcement. I got an email and I was like, got to talk about this on the podcast. It says, we are so excited to announce that we are beginning our launch sequence to bring MoviePass back. For those of you who don't know, MoviePass was sold back in 2017 to a private equity group and due to mismanagement subsequently closed its doors. Last year, I, one of the original founders, bought the company back with the plan to relaunch it. Time Magazine did a great piece and does a wonderful job of explaining the sequence of events that led to this point. Be honest with you, nobody who's getting MoviePass is reading Time Magazine. <laughs> because no. Time Magazine is for like my parents and my grandparents, and my mom still calls me to, you know, log into Netflix. So I don't think she's getting movie pass. But it goes on to say, I want to thank everyone for their support in helping us get here. So many of you have called, emailed, and even stopped me on the streets to show that you still had your original movie pass card and talk about how much you loved the service. So if we're so if you were a 2012 OG or caught the wave towards the end, we look forward to welcoming you back. What are they, Blockbuster? Nobody's making MoviePass shirts. This is my first time reading this. I, I like to know, one, I have no, a guy, no idea who this guy is. Well, it's but not even a guy. if I had MoviePass? It, it might be a guy. I'm not sure. Their name's Stacy. Okay. So whoever it is, him, her, they, whatever, even if... I had movie pass. Like I have Netflix and I have, you know, Paramount Plus. I don't know the people that own that. I don't know the CEOs. Like, how are they like, oh, they stopped me on the street? Are you kidding me right now? What? Maybe your neighbor or your mother? Come like, on, Stacy. Stacy, this isn't this isn't what we're asking. They for. stopped me on the street. Like, I get maybe emails. I get that. Like emailing the company, like, hey, I love MoviePass. Come back. No but one's emailing MoviePass. You, you're at Starbucks and someone's going, hey, man, when'd you bring MoviePass back? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, it goes on four more paragraphs of it. Um, this is a long email. And honestly, first time reading this, this is uh, breaking news, like I said. <laughs> it says, we will begin relaunching the service beginning Labor Day, September 5th. But prior to that, we are opening up our wait list to be able to join. Being on the wait list will be the only way to be able to sign up for the service in the foreseeable future. That's not good. This Thursday, August 25th, oh, it's the day we're recording, we will open <laughs> the wait list at 9 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time at moviepass.com. There is no cost to join the wait list. They aren't sponsoring the rest of this, so I don't give a shit about them. But need, needless to say, I don't see Movie Pass being the hit that everybody thought it was. In 2012. Now, I didn't realize it was that right. long ago. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. Like, I don't think I had movie pass 10 years ago. Because I was thinking, I was like, man, where was this when I was like single and not right. married? And then I was like, wait, I was single in 2012. And I'm yeah. like, I don't 
I don't like honestly. I probably would have done it then. Movie pass, yeah. So would I. But having movie pass, realizing how much of a scam it was, and I, you know, I get it. Stacy's throwing major shade at all the the people who bought it and mismanaged it, but it we're in a time of inflation, and you want to bring this back, and it's COVID. This is a terrible rollout plan. You know, should be like, hey, wait, all, wait, Regal United Artists just filed for bankruptcy. Let's do a movie pass because they have their own movie pass. Let's bring movie pass back so they can go to Cinemark, which is probably the only theater now that no, I think they have their own, and AMC has their Stubbs one. It's a terrible idea. Terrible idea all around, but Stacy, co-founder, CEO, Spikes, go. Very optimistic person. Yeah, go forth and thrive, my friend. Um, I, we will not be getting movie pass <laughs> unless you sponsor the podcast. So there's your ultimatum. Um, let's go to my picks of the week. I have three of them, I think. Do I have three of them? No, I think I have two. I do have three. Yeah. I have three of them. The first one is called Wind Thrown in the Sky, and it's written by James Tynan IV with art from Michael Dylanus. And the Wind Saga continues in this epic new volume from Eisner Award winner James Tynan IV from Batman, Something is Killing the Children, House of Slaughter, the list goes on. And artist Michael Dylanus uh, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The GLAAD Award winning creative team behind the woods, the land of Ezreal has grown darker and more dangerous as tensions begin, uh, between the human and the fairy realms threaten to erupt into an all-out war. Could Wind be the only hope for peace? And what will his destiny be if he truly is one of the legendary winged ones? Prepare to embark on an extraordinary fantasy adventure and discover the world of mysterious legends, ancient prophecies, and the brave heroes at the center of it all. Now, we did Wind as a pick of the week I want to say like a year and a half ago. I read it. First episode was fun. Um, didn't continue with it. I gave it like the two issue, you know, kind of lead in and I said no. So, you know, that all fooled me once, shame on me, fool me twice or, you know, that whole thing. Um, I'm going to do it again and I'm going to I'm going to try and get it and I'm going to read it. Uh, I like James time- Tynan the fourth, so. Yeah, I mean, his stuff has been really good, but I think I like his horror better than I like anything else that he does you know i like the nice house on the lake i like something is killing the children i like house of slaughter like those are the ones that i like justice league dark his stuff on that was really good yeah so i put him on there because he's like on the list of like the short list of creators that i'm gonna buy regardless of their project like steve Mm -hmm. orlando the toms tom king tom taylor um you know stuff like that roddy barnes as well uh but this next one is from i I think this might be his first comic. And I think this is going to be, out of the three, this is the one that you're going to get. And it's called Damage Control, one of five. And it's written by Adam F. Goldberg and Hans Rodanoff with art from J.P. Fosgett and Will Robson. And you're looking at me, and it is the Adam F. Goldberg, the creator of the Goldbergs. And I know how much you love that show. I do. So this is a definite. I don't even have to read it. You're smiling ear to ear. But um, I've read this one because I wanted to really see if this is is a hit. And, um, you know, just based on the cover alone, it had me. But Marvel's unsung heroes finally get sung. After the mega-powered battles and Hulk-level catastrophes, Damage Control is always there to clean up the mess and get things back to normal. But Damage Control is much more than a glorified cleanup crew. 
and this new series will pull back the curtain and reveal the secret inner workings that were previously only available to people with clearance level 8. And we'll witness it all through the eyes of Gus, a fresh-faced, eager newcomer to the company who has no idea how chaotic his life is about to become. Spoiler alert, Gus sucks. Um, I'm not a big fan of Gus. Um, Adam well, your F. name Goldberg- is Gus. Yeah, he's not Gus. I've only known one Gus, and he wasn't a very nice person. I know one, and it's the second most famous groundhog in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. So you know. I don't know him, but I know of him. Yeah, well, you're about to know a third one. Um, Adam F. Goldberg from TV's The Goldberg and Hans Rodenoff um, team with Will Robson to take you into the secret labyrinth of damage control, where it's totally common to run into familiar faces like Moon Knight, Nightcrawler, She-Hulk, and more. Plus, there's a secondary story uh, by damage con- uh, by damage control creator Dwayne McDuffie's McSpouse, Charlotte Fullerton, as damage control crew must clean up after the Infinity Gauntlet. And that's kind of got like a little cartoony kind of vibe. So I was here for that. That one I put like I definitely put the stamp on. It was a lot of fun. It was Easter egg hunting because like you're going through it and you're looking into it and you're like, oh man, there's so and so. There's like you know this is. The story is secondary in all of the the plot of this. And the cover has Ghost Rider, She-Hulk, Nightcrawler, Moon Knight, um, and I think some, one more character on it. And it's, it's amazing. So definitely get that. And the last one is from DC Comics. And um, if you listen to our last episode, we weren't really high on DC. Um, and now they're going to be showing – did you see that they're showing a funeral premiere for Batwoman or Batgirl? No. <laughs> yeah, they're they're doing a it's called a funeral for all the executives and the cast and the crew. Because everyone was probably like, What are you doing? You're making a terrible decision. But yeah, that's where we're at. Alright, so the next one, DC, Olympus Rebirth number one, an adventure of mythic proportions. After years of bitter and violent conflict, the Greek pantheon of gods stands united to welcome their latest goddess, Hippolyta of Themyscira. Due to her heroic efforts in the mortal realm, the former queen has earned her rightful place among the gods and plans to use her newfound powers to take care of her Amazon sisters from beyond. Little does she know, some of the gods are wary of the new future Hippolyta brings and will do just about anything to stop it. Join Wonder Woman writing duo Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad along with artist Caitlin Yarsky from Black Hammer in her DC debut for an unforgettable new adventure of Mount Olympus. It's only the beginning of many exciting things to come for Wonder Woman and the world of her characters. So this is a Wonder Woman comic disguised as an Olympus comic. Are you getting this new Wonder Woman story? Probably not. I think this is going to be like a two-issue drop for me. Although the art does look pretty cool. The cover looks good. It looks painted. It looks like you're walking into the Sistine Chapel. And oh, you're like, cool. oh, Michelangelo was here and not the turtle? It looks very good. <laughs> but... We're going to dive into something that we I don't think we've ever done, uh, where we take three pilots mm-hmm. and we break them down, give you the abridged version of it, and we geek grade it, and um, we discuss, we kind of are going to decide on if life or death, it's like F, Mary kill. Which one are you going to leave in the, the binge? Which one would you watch through and through if it was episodic? And which one would you would call your favorite? I don't know. Um which one would you go back to? Because that's the the F one of them all. But this is called Pick a Pilot, and we're going to talk about She-Hulk, the House of the Dragon, and the Sandman, which we'll do full reviews for all of these 
uh, in the future. I actually have them all written down, um, prepared up until December with our episodes. So we're yeah, we're I'm stoked on some good stuff. Let's talk about She-Hulk. Let's preface this that this this is only the first episode for all of these. So wherever you are in your binge, if you haven't watched the first episode, tune out because we're going to enter spoiler ter- uh, spoiler territory. She-Hulk currently sitting at 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Fan, uh, critic score. Fan score is a little lower. People are split on it. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people in the comments, mostly men that look yeah. like you and I, who are not fans of it. And uh, I'm a little, little confused on why. And I dove in deeper and kind of, I did what you do. And I went into the cesspool. And I'm like, let's play in the trash. And I played in the trash a little bit. And it kept going back to the same comment that they're just trying to do a PG Deadpool. And I don't entertain the garbage. I just get, you know, frustrated from wherever I'm sitting on my phone, usually the bathroom. And I get frustrated. I'm like, oh, these guys don't know shit. And they don't. Because, yes, She-Hulk does break the fourth wall. Deadpool breaks the fourth wall better than She-Hulk and well at this point in the game and is more popularized but Deadpool is a product of what She-Hulk paved the way for She-Hulk debuted February 1980 in the Savage She-Hulk number one Deadpool debuted in February 1991 you know you got one character who was created by Stan Lee and John Buscema and another one who was created by Rob Liefeld who is you know always looked up to Stan Lee so get off your high horse, you know, these trolls and saying, you know, you're trying to replicate Deadpool. Deadpool's replicating She-Hulk. Those are people that don't know. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. you know, I don't even think they saw the episode. Oh, no. I I don't know how many times. And it has nothing to do with She-Hulk, but like a lot of stuff, like people reviewing stuff. And then they're like, well, I didn't see it. Yeah. Like You just know like, you're not going to like it. I've seen movies and stuff, and they were like, oh, it looks like trash. And blah, blah. and I'm like, wait, you didn't see this? Like, yeah. Like, I've, there's, there's movies where I'm like, this looks stupid. But I won't review it until I see it. Right. And most of the time, if I think it looks stupid, it probably is stupid. Dude, there's a movie coming out in February. It's one, I was talking about it with Tom on our Black Phone episode, and it's called Cocaine Bear. Oh yeah, it's uh, directed by Elizabeth Banks. Yes, and it's like oh, one I of know Ray all Liotta's... about Cocaine Bear. Right, and it's one of Ray Liotta's last films. And yeah. I'm reading this, and I'm like, "You gotta be shitting me! This is going to theaters. Like, that's a movie just based on the name that people aren't going to watch and say it was trash." Zombievers is another one. I I watched that film. It was not good, but I gave it a try, and I'm gonna give Cocaine Bear a try. Like, there's mo- like I said, movies that I'm like. It's going to be stupid. But I don't truly judge it until I see it. Right. Um, most people don't. Most people aren't like that. They're just looking <laughs> no, not for at all. quick validation or oh, an attention. argument on. Yeah, for sure. Um, but let's talk about some stuff that we liked. Um, I personally thought that the CGI was much cleaner than both oh, yeah. the trailers. Um, so they mm-hmm. definitely fixed that. I love the training montage and the battle for superiority yes. between Bruce and Jen. I thought that that was cool. I did like the subtle fourth wall. Uh, breaking techniques that they're doing, like right in the beginning, like "Hey, just want to let you know, I'm the I'm a Hulk," and then she does it like bit by bit throughout the uh, the first episode. I will say, um, I feel that they need to fully embrace it because if they don't fully embrace it, people aren't going to receive it well or understand what's happening. 
they're going to think that Jen's a little cuckoo. <laughs> and they need to really establish that a little bit more. I know they start off with like, you're watching the whole TV show. And like, you know, they blatantly say that, you know, this is a, you know, a show within a show or whatever. I think they need to embrace it just a tad bit more. Um, and I also like the short origin story that we got. The Sakarian ship that came down. Yeah, I was wondering how they were going to do that because in the comics, she was shot. Yeah. And she got a blood transfusion from Bruce. Bruce. Yep. Um, so I was wondering how they were going to do that. I don't hate the new origin. It was an easy way to explain it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it was a, a very quick transition. Like, again, we're past the origin story point yeah. in the game with in terms of Marvel. Um the thing that really stuck out to me, and then I want to hear what you liked, is that we got an explanation of what some of the Avengers were doing during the blip, and that's mainly Tony and and uh, Bruce. And I thought yeah, that that building was building cool. a bar. Yeah, they built a bar in Mexico. You know, they were working on a lot of stuff. Um, so I really liked that. Uh, was there anything that I missed that you liked about the the first episode? No, I mean, I liked the chemistry between um, Mark Ruffalo and um, Tatiana Maslany. Yeah. I was about to say it. I know. You I'd probably butcher it. But uh, I really like their chemistry. Um, yeah. I really love her. I I really love the Orphan Black. You know, she's kind of a – people really don't know her. Yeah. You know, she's been around for a while. She's done things here and there. Orphan Black was a huge hit, but it was on a BBC. So um, not many people know that. So to them it's a fresh face, but I really liked her. Uh, I was hoping she was going to get more after Orphan Black, and you know, hundred percent, I love her, Jennifer Walters. Um, but their chemistry was great. Yeah. Uh, the banter, it, you know, it's more comedic yep. than other stuff that we got from Marvel, and it's more like Guardians of the Galaxy, very comedic. Yeah, but this, this is, is like more, very sitcommy. Yeah, this is very grounded comedic. Yeah. Um, this is like if Seinfeld was a superhero show. <laughs> yeah. And then I really liked the touch of like, you know, he was like, you need to control your anger. And she goes, no, I do it every day. Like, yep. I'm a lawyer that no one takes serious and I'm a woman and I really like that. And then like they showed Bruce's face and he was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, right. And when and when she's stronger than him from the jump. Oh, like with everything like yeah. and she was like oh, i could turn it on and off and turn it off and then uh i liked the part where they were like drinking and they had all the bottles and then like the next morning he was like oh i forgot to tell you you don't get drunk but you'll still have a hangover right yeah that was uh, good did you like titania showing up and the way uh, she made her debut the judgment's out on her okay. um i'm not really i know who she is because I did research because when they, you know, when she was cast it, um, I don't know much about her. The look was kind of weird. Yeah. But I liked, you know, I we don't really know what happened. Like, she's in the courtroom. Yeah. And then she just busts through and then, oh, I'm Hulk. So I hope episode two, which came out today as we record, and I know yep. you've seen it already, but I haven't. Um I hope maybe that explains it a little bit, but I I I will hold judgment on Titania until I see more. Yeah, I I'm the same way. I don't think that she's going to be the the main villain. 
to be okay. honest with you. Even though, you know, we've, we, we've seen her, we kind of know some other fresh faces or not fresh. We, we know people are returning in this and people are debuting, quote unquote, their, their, co- their costume personas in the MCU in this in terms of Daredevil. But um, I want to talk about Tatiana Maslany a little bit uh, and then we'll go into what we didn't like. She's the product of what if casting. Because she's been yeah. on the shortlist for a lot of things. And I think that's why a lot of people don't like her or don't know her is because she missed out on a lot of these roles. She was on the shortlist for Ray. She was on the shortlist for Jen Erso. And she was yeah. on the shortlist for Lara Croft. So those are three huge IPs, Lara Croft being the, you know, obviously Lower. the most unfor- uh, most forgettable because MGM lost the rights to it. Um, and I think me, you and I could put our pennies together and buy Tomb Raider. But she's the product of not getting cast, and that's the you know the problem with being on a, a long, successfully running show. Orphan Black on BBC was a ton of seasons, ton of episodes. Yeah, and she played like 150 different characters. Like she's so talented. Yeah, and if if they were to take her away from that, you don't have secondary characters who can carry over the load. In that, not saying that the acting wasn't good from the sporting cast, but she is the second and the third and the fourth level characters. So she yeah. made that show what it is. So there's a reason why she may not have gotten these roles. I'm not saying she's bad at auditions. I'm just saying her dedication to the one role of Worf and Black may have caused her to miss out on some huge properties. And that's just saying that she's one, dedicated to the character, and two, she gives it her all so maybe that's yeah. what we're going to get with she hulk she doesn't she doesn't put too many irons in the fire and put out a bad movie you know we see that with a lot of people they're like oh it's just a paycheck but she stayed pretty tight to her you know her resume and want to stay with um the orphan black and we're with orphan black and i'm good with that so let's go into things that you didn't like there's one thing i didn't like about this episode and it was the captain america virginity joke I think it was too long running. I think it was overplayed. Honestly, like the Titania stuff, I feel like we'll get that explained a little bit further in the future. The rest of the stuff, like the Mexico stuff, like obviously you need your Mr. Miyagi, Daniel Sun moment with Mark and Jen. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, or Bruce and Jen. You need that. But that joke started in the beginning and waited until all the way to the end. And I was like, oh, I'm not a fan of it. And it's not because Captain America is my boy. Like, it didn't need to be a topic of conversation the whole time. I feel like that was just blow-hanging fruit. So was there anything that you didn't like about the show? Not really. Like, the Titania stuff, like I said, like, I'm not going to judge it. Uh, I just thought her costume was weird. Like, I didn't really understand it. Um, the joke, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. Um, yeah. But I, I really enjoyed this episode. So there wasn't, you know, as, you know, at the end of the uh, season, maybe there would be a couple of things I like. But so far, there wasn't really anything I disliked. Yeah, and it wasn't a forgettable pilot. I know a lot of people no. I've, you know, I've read have said that this is kind of a forget- forgettable pilot and they don't know how this fits in. But it fits in huge, number one, because of what she's going to usher in. But two, the Hulk isn't going to always be in the Avengers. So this is our next version of the Avengers. So, like, they're laying the groundwork. So, like, Jen's obviously going to get recruited to the Avengers in Secret Wars. 
because of how strong she is. She's stronger than the Hulk. Um, Moon Knight, we talked about. I have a feeling that Moon Knight's going to be recruited to the Avengers. Uh, be not Maybe not in Secret Wars, but I would say in like the Kang Dynasty because mm-hmm. he's a historian. You know, and he's got a god that possesses him. So, and an Egyptian god. So, Immortus from Kang started in Egypt with Ensabanur, Apocalypse, first mutant. Obviously, Khonshu was had to be there. Yeah, Khonshu predates Ensabanur. So, I feel like this is my little conspiracy theory, tin foil hat time. I feel like they're going to get Moon Knight and bring him in just for the fact that he's one, he's super powerful. And strong, and he fights great. But two, because Mark Spector and Conchu know so much about ancient Egypt. So that's where yeah. we talked about where does Moon Knight fit. I think that's where he fits. May or may not be true, but what's your geek grade on this? Well, out of the, n- not the three they were doing today, but out of the three, like, um, new Marvel characters we got. So Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and her She-Hulk. I like this more than all three pilots. Really? Okay. Now, I really love Moon Knight, but if we're judging on the pilot alone of, like, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk, I had more fun with She-Hulk. Okay. See, I put this up on the bottom of my list. Really? No, yeah. I'm I'm the opposite. I would go... Now, I love the Moon Knight series, um, but if I went against, like, after the first time I saw it, I had more fun with this. Maybe it was because it was more familiar with Bruce Banner and yeah. I'm I'm a little more familiar with She-Hulk, um, but like I had a lot of fun with this. Um, if I can I ha- see why you had a lot of fun with this one though, because it, it's it's very straight to the book comic book style. Yeah, where Moon Knight Miss Miss Marvel to the to the same extent, but Moon Knight was a little bit more of a, a slow burn. Yeah, I loved the Moon Knight series. I thought it was yeah. great, but if like. After watching the first episode of each, this, I was more, like, invested. Um, if I have to geek, geek rate this, I'm going to say 8.8. All right. So I'm a little bit lower than you. I went 8.4. Still a right around the critic score in terms of yeah. um, season one. I mean, that's the full season score. But how, they get the whole full season. We can't. Come on, man. <laughs> we do a better job than Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yes. Let's go to HBO Max and um, talk House of the Dragon, yes. which Game of Thrones, we know, kind of left a bad taste in our mouth at yeah. the end of season uh, the last season. But here we go. The, the long-awaited series, House of the Dragon, debuts things that I liked about it. Um, number one, I thought the set design and the visuals were beautiful. Yeah. They got the dragons right. Um it's Targaryen story, so you need the dragons. And I feel like they're going to play a huge role in it, obviously. But I think we got a, our fair share of dragons in that first hour. Yeah, and they were clean looking. Like, you know, really HBO, Max does, HBO does pretty good with their CGI. Um, but they looked amazing. And then, yeah. you know, especially with, like, uh, the end of the episode when Matt Smith got on his. Yeah, Damon. Um, yeah. We'll talk about Matt Smith in a second. Yeah. Um, it was nice to see some of the families that either were very important in the mm-hmm. Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire also, you know, dropped into yes. yeah. the episode, which was very cool. So we got to see the Starks. 
um, and to see the re- their relationship with the Targaryens even at that point wasn't strong, um, e- even though we know it kind of gets stronger throughout the, the course of time. Um, and then we saw the Baratheons, another huge house that we got to see as well, um, and they didn't agree with the the Targaryens either. So and we know where that goes in terms of the Song of Ice and Fire. I thought yeah. that that was pretty cool. Um, the celebration was like medieval times, the jousting, you know, and then they fight. Yeah, to death. I, I love like, that part. Yeah, that was the best part of the whole show. I think um, that was probably my favorite part. Um, and then Matt Smith, um, perfect. For the role, Damon redeemed himself from Morbius. Yeah, I mean, anything could redeem yourself from Morbius, and I think, to be honest with you, Morbius is a lot of people's first taste of Matt Smith. They don't know him as the Doctor and how great he was as the Doctor. If you go to Vincent and the Doctor, it will be my—it's my all-time favorite Doctor Who episode. Just see that episode, and just you can see how brilliant Matt Smith is. But he was perfect in this. Yeah. Um, perfect as an asshole, perfect yes. as a, a brutalizer. He's Jamie Lannister without the conscience. He's soulless. He he's a womanizer. He's a he likes to kill people for no reason. Uh, he's great. He was great in this. Yeah. Um, when I saw Emma D'Arcy's name on there, I was like, I see where they're going, but why isn't it Anya Taylor Joy? You know what I mean? Like just based on the younger actress's face. And Anya Taylor Joy, they kind of resemble each other. I thought that that was going to be cool, but I'm I'm intrigued about the the series in general. Um, curious to see where you're at because you you know you're a Game of Thrones television show series uh, television yeah. show fan. Uh, were you a fan of this pilot? I did. I really liked this pilot. Um, you know, like you said, uh, the ending of Game of Thrones and the uh, latter half was a little disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. But when Game of Thrones first came out, I loved it, and because it was unknown, like I didn't know the property, I didn't read the, any of the books, um, and it just hit me. This, I would now I was familiar with the world, um, so it didn't hit me in the same way as Game of Thrones did, the original pilot. But I really love this. I love dragons. Always have. Um, Got so, a big one tattooed on your back. <laughs> It goes all the way down to my butt crack. Right. Um, Claws r- grip into your hips. We know what it's about. But um, so, you know, I always liked that aspect of Game of Thrones was the dragons. And the fact that, you know, this is the t- Targaryens, you know, was 172 years before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked how they were given the little synopsis and then they just blacked it out. And it was like 172 years before Daenerys. I- Smartest thing they could have done, honestly, because you're getting a lot of people who are like, oh, it's a Game of Thrones spinoff. I can't wait to see where Daenerys and Jon are. And, or, no, this is not what you're getting. You're seeing, like, their grandparents. Yeah. Great, great, um, and, great, great grandparents. Yeah. And 172 that, years. Yeah. Well, it depends. It depends on the time. Yeah, they all die of rickets anyway. So yeah, it might but be a, back then you weren't living in the 80. Like, you lucky you were 52. I was going to say 15. Because, you know, anything is possible back then. But noble people lived longer. Like, if, yeah, if, sure. you were, if you were a peasant, you were lucky to hit 18. Yeah, if you were – if it was me or you, we're not making it to past the war. But I um, I think that this one 
made the right decision out the gate by saying like this is where we're at in the timeline it, it, i was waiting for it to say your favorite your favorite characters will not appear in this series like this isn't going to speed up but i can't see this being a you know a five to six season run i don't know i mean i say four at most i think that might get a little overkilly because like we know the end game right so yeah you know where the the tigerians are gonna go yeah what happens uh, to them incest Um, that's where they're gonna go (laughs) same way as the lannisters um i think that's kind of what took me out of this even though i love this series you know where it was going yeah, it, it was a bit predictable. Like, I knew the queen was going to die. I knew the baby was going to die. Like, I just knew it wasn't going to play out the way that, you know, Patty Considine, who is brilliant as the king, um, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, this is going to have a happy ending. No. Because, yeah. you know, There's, the whole thing is like, there's never been a woman on the Iron Throne. And then they, fl- like, all the trailers flash right to that girl. And you're like, huh. Yeah, there is. And they gave, like, again, Warner Brothers really just shit in the bed with their trailers and giving you the pilot in the trailer. They gave you the whole first yeah. episode in the trailer with Matt Smith saying, I'm your heir. And he's like, nope, I made a new one. Again, re- reverse Uno, draw two. Like, you're going back to your noble wife who you'd rather have sex with the horses and then see her. You're going to just end up going back to your noble wife and my daughter's going to be the yeah the queen so it was a bit a bit predictable but if you're a fan it's kind of like if you know you know situation so i'm not mad at it was there anything that you didn't like about the the first uh episode not really like it was bloody like i know game of thrones is always bloody but like uh, my wife and daughter sat in and <laughs> she was in the kitchen and the orgy scene, scene popped up and I was like, pause it. Yeah. Um, not really. Like it, it it's kind of exactly what I expected. Um, boobs and blood, bo- <laughs> boobs and blood. Um, so there wasn't anything that I like at the end of the episode. I was like, yeah, like, you know, I, I kind of I read an article that Matt Smith had had put out there and said that, you know, he wishes that they would kind of eat cool it up on the sex scenes, and I get it, you know, for him it must be super uncomfortable to be in those scenes, as an actor and in general it must be uncomfortable. But the series really kind of dove headfirst into like all the all the blood and all the boobs yeah. and like. Mainly the boobs. They, like, really just went into, like, oh, you're naked, and you're naked. Everybody's getting naked. And does it cheapen the property a little bit? But then you got to think about it. Brothels and sex was kind of free-flowing back then. It wasn't what, you know, United States version of, well, you know, sex on television is, So it, or sex in, in general is. So I think they're accurate to the times. Yeah, and, it, and I mean, fictional times, but, you know. Yeah. That, you know, it's a fictional medieval, you know, 1700, even before that. Um, And my wife, you know, that's not how it was. And I was like, yeah, it kind of was. Like, Like, did she live back then? (laughs) But, like, noble people, they had sex all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. Even poor people, just in public. So there were so many goddamn kids working the farms because they were just, they were rabbits. You know, they were all poor. Because there were so many kids, and they couldn't, you know, pay their 
turnip tariffs. I don't know. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. But overall, um, I like the the pilot for this one. I'm going to give it an 8.8. 8. Wow, you're a little higher than me. Uh, I went 8.5. So we flip-flopped on yeah. our, our series. Um, you like shorter series, it seems, which I think She-Hulk was like 35 minutes or something like that. Um, and this was like an hour and, a, and like 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um, so let's. this is, I guess, the deciding factor. Um, I've yet to finish this series. I have two episodes. I should finish it tonight. Um, two, f- know- two actual episodes or you, is this the bonus episode too? No, the um, two actual episodes. I just finished the episode eight. Not the do- yeah, not the dollhouse. I think the dollhouse is seven, but that's neither here nor there. Um, this one's Sandman, DC adjacent. Yet they do include some DC stuff later on into the into the series by way of you know just little Easter eggs and little homages. I like. You're not you. Preface this: you didn't read the comics. I did not. Okay, so you went into this kind of just like this is your first example of the Sandman. Mm-hmm. And you had told me and the listeners that you liked the first half. Yes. Not the second half. Now, I'm midway through the second half, and I can see why you don't like it, but the second half are some of my favorite parts of the comics. And a little bit more, I'll tell you about it in a bit, but um, I liked everything about this episode. Um, the first one, the the pilot I thought it was a great introduction to Dream, uh, the world of magic, the his powers, his abilities. Uh, Robert Burgess uh, plays a big part in this. Obviously, Charles Dance from Game of Thrones was also in this, um, and Godzilla versus King Kong or whatever. No, um, it was uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. King of Monsters. Um, I thought it was an also kind of a, a good look into the dreaming for the ten yeah. minutes we got of it. It was a good representation of the product uh, of the Sandman and Endless. And, and it did the comics justice. The thing that I really enjoyed was the Corinthian. I love the yeah. Corinthian. Um, Boyd, Boyd Holbrook, you know, we we said in in Logan, like, he was like, oh, could have gone with anybody in that role. But, man, he was perfect for this. And I think, like, I think Army Hammer was up for that role at one point before he actually <laughs> yeah, we turned know into why the Corinthian. Well, because he was it was too method. He would have really been eating eyes. Um and I think he's like a he's selling timeshares in like the Dominican Republic or Barbados now. Oh, is he? I think that think no, uh Cayman Islands. Because where do you put your money if you're rich? The Caymans. Uh he's selling timeshares down there. <laughs> yeah, dead serious. I I, I mean his I mean, we all know why his uh career trajectory <laughs> cannibal <laughs> went where it went, but like Fall from Grace, like they were naming, he was actually cast as Batman. Yeah, I l- listen, man. In the Justice League, and then you're allegedly a cannibal. That's a scary, scary thing out there. But um, good introduction to the Corinthian. Boyd Holbrook kills it throughout the whole series. Um, what did you think? What did you like about the first episode? Being a Sandman virgin. I like the explanation of, you know, where he was. Um, I the sleeping sickness was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I have thoughts on that later, but we're yeah. not going to talk about that because it's later in the episode. Um, I thought he was great. Tom Sturgis. Yeah, he he was great, and like his voice was commanding. 
And then even when he was doing, like, you know, the voiceovers and stuff like that, like, it was, like, ominous, but, like, He had no emotion. Yeah. Like, he was extremely emotionless, and I can't say he's the perfect actor for this role, but I could say that you could put a lot of people in that role, and you could play the dreaming, you know, I feel like, or the play dream. Like, Tom Hiddleston probably would have crushed it. Do you remember who was... Do you remember who was casted? And he was – they were going to make a movie about four or five years ago. And this actor was casted and he was going to direct. And that was um, Joseph Gordon-Lovett. Yeah, again, I think he would have been good at, his, at it too. Um, I haven't heard his British accent, so I'm not quite sure if they would have went in that direction. Um, but for what it's worth, Tom Sturge did a, a fantastic job of this. But what else did you like about it? The episode itself, see, it's hard to, like, since I've seen the whole, like, the yeah. two we just talked about, She-Hulk and House Dragon, I only seen the first episode. So, like, with this, is a little hard not to talk about the whole season because I finished the whole yeah. season. So, tell um, me about something that you don't, that you didn't like in the first episode, if there was anything. In the first episode, no. There wasn't anything okay. I disliked. I, I really liked it. I liked the cult vibe. Um, yeah. how he got, uh, stuck, you yep. know, sucked in, um, they were looking for someone else and just happened. They were looking for death. Yeah. And, and they got dream and they got dream instead. And the mask was really cool. Yeah. The helm's really awesome. Um, I thought the, in the first episode and like that whole, the first well, I hate to say it, the first couple. Like, the production design was great. Yeah. Like, I love that little uh, dungeon that they had. Yeah. Uh, that was really cool. The kid, um, he was also in uh, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And Haunting of Bly Manor. Like, he was great. Uh, and, and then, you know, he grew up and... Um, Became his father. Yeah. Pretty much, <laughs> uh, but Charles Dance was great. Yeah, he, I really uh, he's great him. in anything. Yeah, I really he's like, an asshole. except he just, uh, he Dracula plays, Untold. Um, oh yeah, but he plays an he plays an asshole so well. Yeah, like in a power hungry one at that. Like because that was the same thing as when he was uh, Tywin Lannister. He was power hungry, so he know he knows that well. I guess that's his his thing. Yeah, and he's probably the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, um, yeah, they they usually are. But so like, what do you geek rate this at? I'm gonna go eight point one. Okay, so I was I was much higher on this one, um, eight point nine on this one. And we this all stayed kinda, in the eight, so that was. And, and you know, rightfully so, because you know, She Hulk eighty seven on Rotten Tomatoes, House of the Dragon eighty five, Sandman eighty six. Now that's for the full season run, and we're right there, kind of on par with it. Um, the thing I didn't really like about the first episode is kind of more to House of the Dragon. I know a lot about the Sandman. Yeah. I've read all 75 issues when, you know, obviously later in life because this, you know, predates me. Came, I believe Sandman debuted in 86 to 91, if not 89 to 91, somewhere around that time. Um, but you so weren't it reading was, it when you were in diapers. Yeah, certainly wasn't. This, If I was, Child Protective Services probably should have been called. But... The thing that really kind of sets me up for this and the whole series um, is 
had I not read the comics, even though I read the comics, I think I would have been surprised with the the series. But I listened to the audio podcast. Yeah. With such a stellar cast. And Taron Egerton is. He he played Constantine, Constantine, right? Yeah. And then James McAvoy's dream, right? Yeah. And honestly, we talked about this um, when the this when I finished the Sandman podcast, and I was like, just take everybody from that and put them in this role, because that podcast is the first season. So like when when I got to episode six and seven, like and I saw the titles, I knew exactly where I was going to go. So I wasn't surprised with anything, and I haven't been surprised with everything. So I think that's the the problem. Even though I do love this, and I, it was my highest rating of all three of them, I don't think this gets a second season. Really, I don't. Uh, Netflix, like, think about it. And again, we're going to talk about the Sandman next episode. We're going to do a full review next week. But Netflix has been so quick to pull the trigger on their series, right? Yeah. <laughs> Either canceling or renewing. You know, Umbrella Academy just wrapped. They're doing a fourth season. It's the last one. They already said that. Lock and Key. Boom. Three seasons. This one, been sitting on their top ten for four weeks now. And no word on a second season. So, I don't know if they're going to go with a second season. I I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those DC-adjacent properties that gets axed. Just because of the the people they might be dealing with and the notes they might be getting. But um, I'm going to give that one a an 8.9. 8.8 for House of the Dragon and 8.4 for She-Hulk. So now, if you had to watch, if you had to cancel one of these series, which one would it be? Uh, Sandman. Sandman. You didn't like the second half. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, if, if I judge the first half, like, the first half... I loved the first four episodes. I loved it. And like I gave it an 8.1. It's a lot lower. Okay. In the See, I like half. the I like the second half. Nah. I I love I loved those parts in the podcast. So and in the books, like I I knew what I was getting. See, um, I didn't like with, and I'm like mm. well cuz it's not what you're expecting. Like yeah. This is this is a comic book sh- show, but it's not the comic books you would have read. I'll in be the honest, 90s. the the season the first half and the second half seems like two absolutely different seasons. Because it's two different stories. And that, and that's the thing where I think it lost me. Like it they just But we'll seem- talk about that next week. Yeah. We can't we can't continue to talk about this as a spoiler for people. Um I would cancel House of the Dragon. Um, even though I love it. I feel like it's not necessary. I feel like this is just more of a, a kind of a money grab because Game of Thrones was hot. Um if you had to watch one on repeat, if it was like, so if, let's say She-Hulk was, let's just talk binge. If She-Hulk was dropped on same day as House of the Dragon or Sandman for my my sake, and they were all bingeable, which one would you watch first? That's hard because it's depending what mood I'm in. Um, oh, or how much time you have. Yeah, yeah. Like if, if I'm, if I have a, and then also too like, and then I was t- I was talking about this with something that I need I I wanted to watch something that I didn't need to think. I think it was a Sandman, 
Like, I was doing something, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch wrestling instead. Um, yeah, you need really, to think with the Sandman. And, and, and you do. And then I feel that way is the same way with Game of Thrones or okay. House of the Dragon. Like, if I, if I come home and I had a rough day and I just want to relax and, like, shut off my brain, I'm going to watch She-Hulk because it's fun and light. Um, Game of Thrones, I mean, I keep saying Game of Thrones. House of Dragon, you need to pay attention. Yeah. Um, so it's really depending on the situation. But if I have to just on a normal situation, I probably won't do She-Hulk. I would do the same uh, because I think the future is brighter for She-Hulk yeah. uh, just because of, you know, the implications, right? So it, it may go to the Avengers where Sandman may get canceled. Um, so there's a plan for She-Hulk. There's not much of a plan for Obviously, a Sandman because, and if there is, we haven't been privy to that information. But that's it, man. We're gonna get out of here. We've picked a pilot. Yeah. And it was the same one. The who would have thought? You know, um, lowest on my score, highest on your score, I believe. <laughs> and we both picked it as the one we would keep, and for different reasons. You know, yours is because of the moment, and you love it a lot, and mine is because of the implications. Um, so. We're going to get back next week. Like I said, we're going to talk about The Sandman. We've got some good stuff coming out. we got some reviews of series uh, like Lock and Key. We've got Andor coming out, so we're going to react to that. Cobra Kai is coming back out. We're going to review the She-Hulk series when it comes when it finishes. Review House of the Dragon. Lord of the Rings got pushed up to September 1st. Uh, one day. Thank you, Amazon. I don't know. We've got Pinocchio coming out. That oh, looks great. <laughs> Yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff coming out. Black Adam, Halloween, um, and I got some original content that we're going to be putting out, some you know top fives or top tens. Um, and then we've got our 300 episode coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah, So and uh, that's going to be a good one. So I'm very excited for that one. But that's it. We'll be out. Uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, we'll be back next week. Full Sandman review. So get, get some rest. And... Um, Follow us on social media, get access, uh, the Active Geek Podcast on all social media platforms. Chuck's on social media, uh, Chuck underscore the Active Geek, AG Cosplay. Uh, listen to Galaxy Wars. Gym class should be dropping in the next week or so. And um, that's it for the Active Geek Podcast. I'm Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out. <laughs>